0: There is a fourth heaven beyond, that which is known to godly man. It is a heaven as vast as space, and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the heaven of imagination. It is an area we call the Twilight, I mean, the Preacher Zone.
1: We're going to do part two today, topic being grief. What is the Preacher Zone? The Preacher Zone is when we take a look at what God's Word has to say about how we navigate through this world. And right now, it is time to meet the cast of characters who are on the Preacher Zone. We're going to head over to my left, your right and introduce Pastor King of the House of Restoration. Pastor King, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. You look good. Thank you so much. You look good, too. Thank you. You look like a million bucks. Have our five? <laughs> All right, let's continue around the horn. Oh, and this man is here originally from Austin when he moved to Texas, but it is Pastor Todd from the First Christian Church of Princeton. Pastor Todd, hello, and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, thank you. My wife and I, we went to the thank State you. Fair this week. We saw lots of good folks at the State Fair. Oh, you went to the State Fair? State Fair, Texas, yeah. It was good, huh? It was good. You had to, what'd you eat? I had a Fletcher's corn dog for sure, mm. and a Frito pie and cotton candy. Mm. And you sent a picture of you by Big Tex. Mm. Yes, but I skipped the double Oreo fried, and the Snickers fried, and the fried cheesecake. With the fried ice cream. And the fried ice. Can you yeah, skip that part? So <laughs> it was, was actually good, just just the corn dog. <laughs> right. All my
1: friends,
3: I'm the, low rider.
2: the
1: pastor of Mikasa.
3: The low pastor
1: Steve, the... welcome. Have you been to the fair yet?
3: Not yet. Not yet. That's not fair. I know. <laughs> One of these days we'll make it.
1: You sound better. Last time you were on the show, you had a serious allergy problem. I was going through puberty.
3: <laughs> I'm over it now.
1: But I understand your doctor was Dr. Adrill, a person yeah. named Ben. <laughs> ben Adrill, he wiped it all out. There he it wiped go. it out. All right, here we go. And finally back after so long. Professor I'm Kevin, down. it's great to have you here no, in person. You were fabulous on the phone, but it's fire. great to have you here. Welcome back. Yeah, come on in. Welcome back, it's great to have you here. Yes,
0: PK is back in the house. (laughs) Good
1: to see you. Well, this is wonderful. What does this mean? Well, it is that time for us to get down to the job at hand, which is getting into the Preacher Zone, and the Preacher Zone is about this, taking a look at God's Word and finding out what He says on how to navigate through this world. It's not easy. It's not fun. But we're going to do it together here on the Preacher Zone. You know what, fellas, after all that, the one thing I didn't do, and I haven't done on every single show? Yourself. I've never introduced myself. Who are you? May hey. I? Can I be a part of this? I mean, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not a professor. Oh, now you're asking. Yeah. I'm now just, you're asking. I'm just a layman. So it's okay? Introduce yourself. All righty. Well, it's time to meet me. Hey. There you go. <laughs> yes. By the music, you can tell that I was raised just under Orthodox Jew. I am Jewish. And loving the Lord. <laughs> And I'm going to teach you guys the horror the next time we're here, all right? All right, okay. all right. Okay, so as we move on now in the preacher's own and kind of getting into where we left off on the last episode, it's been a very tumultuous summer for all of us. We've suffered great losses. And Kevin, Professor Kevin, wasn't here, and he wasn't part of the show, so we, the last time you were out on assignment, so we, we're glad you're here with us, and we'd like you to share about your loss from over this summer, if you would. So we'll just turn it over to you. And then we want to talk about grief and what God's word has to say about it.
0: Sure. In December 31st, 2019, New Year's Eve, I met my future wife, Denise. We met online. First month we got together, we were just friends. We would go to Bible studies together. We would um, hang out. I told her, you know, I don't think we're going to be really a relationship. I think we're just going to be friends. And I prayed about it. And God said, we're going to be friends for three years. And I didn't really realize that we were going to be having a, a three-and-a-half-year relationship. That's what it ended up being. And this summer, she passed away on September 2nd. We talked to the doctor five days before that. He said, well, this will probably be your last Christmas. This will be your last New Year's Eve. And we thought we had at least three months left of her life. So her daughter came home, and we both flew back that night. So September 1st, her daughter and I both flew back to Lex. We both landed at 1130, 1115. And we both came back that night and we thought Denise was going to be going through another episode that she usually goes through. You know, she goes in the hospital, she's in a lot of pain, she can't breathe and she always comes out of it. And when we both got there, we thought, yeah, she'll probably get out of this. But at four o'clock in the morning, the doctor said, this is the end. So I had to wake the kids up, have them come down and we witnessed Denise take her last breath, which was extremely difficult because she has a 18 year old. 20 year old and a 23 year old. And for four hours after she passed away, we just could not leave the room. And the nurse would walk in and say, Are you guys ready to go yet? And we're like, no, we're not ready. It was very difficult because if you have read her Caring Bridge, Facebook page, watched her YouTube videos or her TikTok videos. She was a very dynamic woman, very attractive. And she ran a lot of summer camps for Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and would have over 300 kids show up to these things. A lot of people were affected when she passed away. It's been, what, 46 days today. So it's been a very troubling time. And the summer has been very difficult. It started off with one of my best friends dying at the beginning of the summer, and then some of my favorite uncles and aunts passed away. During COVID, we had a bunch of okays die. I didn't go to any of those funerals. But I went to a lot of funerals this summer and it was really difficult. And it's been my opportunity to go back into grief share, going back and seeing a counselor again, because my brother passed away 15 years ago um, at the age of 41. That was very difficult. Going to this a second time, it's still difficult, but at least this time I have more tools in my toolbox. And I've learned a lot of you know more things about myself going through this and learning different things than I did the first time, because the first time I was in such shock when my brother died. And this time I was a little bit more aware of what was going on, and I was able to at least feel and witness what was happening in my life, and how I could grow through this process. Would you share a little bit about your toolbox and
1: what's in there
0: and what you used? Sure, absolutely. One of the things that I've learned is that grief is the price you pay for loving somebody. The more you love somebody... The more you are involved in their lives, the pain is worth the love you had with them. I remember the summer when Denise was maybe facing the end. She didn't. She didn't die until September, but it was in July and in in May, she was in the hospital a couple of times. We really thought that was the ending then. And I remember telling her, I said, you know, these last three years were definitely worth it. I have zero regrets being with a stage four cancer patient for three years, it was worth it all the way. And through that learning process, you get the opportunity to either A, make the decision that you're going to let the Lord bless you and grow through this process, or you can do the opposite. And I've seen people do the opposite. And that's a hard witness to witness. And from this perspective, allowing the grace of God to reign in your life it's not easy but it's definitely worth walking through it with him because you don't feel like you're alone even though you might be physically alone but you're not alone you know i think of that one time when someone said oh you prayed to an imaginary god and it was uh, it was all over the news and yeah i i do speak with god and i've heard him speak to me during this process but can i actually say oh anytime i want to just call him up and say hey and I'll hear something. No, it doesn't work that way. You go through moments where it's like, you feel like you're not hearing anything, but then you get the moments where he is speaking to you and giving you comfort. And you just have to be patient through this time period. It's not easy, but it's doable. Ken, can you share how you and Denise got engaged to begin with? It's kind of
2: spectacular. You guys took off like a rocket.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting. I was praying about it and I felt like the Lord one night told me, you need to ask Denise to marry you. I wasn't really ready at that point in my life. And I remember calling up one of my best friends and saying, I felt like God told me this. And he's like, no, you're not ready to get married. Don't do it. Don't ask her. So I went in and I got a engagement ring, just a little fake one, you know, really inexpensive and online. And I called up the Texas Rangers and made arrangements to take her to a game. And I was going to try to get her on the jumbotron, you know, and propose during the kissing cam. And when I called them up, they said, oh no, we're not doing that right now. It's still kind of COVID. We're not able to do that. So I said, okay, well, that's kind of a bummer. So we went to the game anyways. And when we're sitting at the game, there's this gentleman sitting next to me with this huge camera. And I'm like, dude, are you guys doing the kissing cam? He says, no. I said, I've got a ring. Can I propose to my girlfriend on the Jumbotron? He says, well, I don't know. Let me call the boss and find out. And he comes back to me and says, well, I got some great news for you. We're going to do it between the fifth and the sixth inning. So when the fifth inning, you know, the top of the fifth closes and the bottom of the fifth, I'm going to put the camera on you All guys. Right. And sure enough, the guy walks over, puts the camera. I get on my knees, pull out this ring out of nowhere. And Denise is totally surprised by it. We actually had the video of it. Uh, her cousin found it online. And it's just amazing that we were able to do that. And that God opened that window for us to, for that to happen. Even though I was told no from my friends and told no, when I called the Texas Rangers. But when we got there, that door opened for us. And when it happened, the crowd went wild. absolutely that is so cool they all went crazy yeah yeah it was it was it was a very cool experience we had to change seats i remember when we got there so if we didn't change seats if all these things didn't happen that i had no control over because i tried to control it initially i wanted to control the situations i had to let go of and just say okay well maybe it isn't time for us to get you know to to get engaged and get and then start the process and then we did she said she said obviously she said yes and then we went through the process and we got married on, um, on February 2nd, uh, 2023, two, two, I'm sorry, two, twenty three, 23, February 3rd, 2023. So yes. I got a question for you. You knew her
4: condition when you met her, when you asked her, you know, when we get married, we think about longevity, Yes, you know? And so of course, how do you feel that life with Denise was short? How do you feel about that when it comes to your relationship with God and, how do you feel?
0: Interestingly enough, when I, when I first met Denise, you know, the stage four cancer didn't bother me. Her three children did. Because <laughs> I usually don't like to date women that have kids <laughs> living at home, you know. Um, I, I, how long were you single for? That, that would be a Kevin
3: edge. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I can deal with all this, but I can't deal with it.
0: I, just, I don't want to deal with children, you know? <laughs> Yes. Uh, so I generally, I generally had always initially always only dated women who didn't live with their children. If their children had moved out, that was fine. But if they were living at home, I didn't want to date you. So that was actually my initial, um, my initial problem. And I didn't really understand um, where her cancer was at. She explained to me that she was taking this drug. She would be on it for a long time and maybe for 10, 15, 20 years, ended up only being a couple of years. The interesting thing, yeah, I wasn't really bothered by that. I did believe, and we kind of did believe that she would probably get healed. We just didn't know that the healing was going to be a healing of no pain for her, not a healing of being with us. And I knew when I met her that I was going to be with her for three years. I mean, I remember God telling me that you were going to be with her for three years. And I told her, I said, we're only going to be friends for three years. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you in your situation. And I'll I'll be here for you as, as much as I can be as a friend, a male friend. And then it just, you know, turned into relationship and then into a marriage. Initially, that was not my thought process, though. So it just all kind of slowly but surely happened, and God just opened the doors every single time. And to be honest with you, it's it's nothing less than a miracle. And like I said, like I told her, I said, I have no regrets having a short-term relationship like that. That was really beautiful in a lot of ways. And yes, there was a lot of tragedy involved, but it was definitely worth it all. That's good.
1: What would you say to somebody who's listening and they have grief, but they really haven't been dealing with it? Like starting with the Lord, what would
0: you suggest? My first suggestion would be is looking from some personal experiences I witnessed. When my brother died 15 years ago, I saw a counselor immediately. I went with my mother and my father. and We did some individual counseling with, with both my parents. We went to grief share together. My dad only did it for a little bit because that's just who he is. But I noticed that the other people that didn't and didn't deal with grief, if you don't deal with life... In any situation in your life, especially when it deals with your emotions, they will deal with you. If you don't deal with your emotions, there's going to be consequences. And I've seen those consequences from some people 15 years later that have not dealt with my brother's death. And if you don't learn how to deal with death and you don't learn how to deal with things that happen in your life, there are consequences for that. I would tell you that you just need to trust the Lord, put your, you know, your best foot forward and join a group Don't think of what the people are there, you know, cause I initially did that. I looked at the people over in the group with me and they were talking about their stories and they didn't really relate to my stories. That wasn't the important thing. The important thing is that everybody has their own story and you need to appreciate and honor their stories and then also honor your own story. You did something that I
1: just think is truly amazing, Kevin. And how did you muster up the courage to do it? And it's such a short time since when your wife Denise passed, but you went to a class reunion a week or so
0: ago. How were you able to pull yourself up and go do that? You know, it's interesting. I just did my 40 year high school reunion last weekend and people would walk up to me and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, thank you very much. She was very special. They're like, no, no. When your brother died, I'm like, my brother died 15 years ago, but they just found out, you know, so a lot of people in high school did not know that my brother passed away 15 years ago. So it was kind of interesting that people would walk up and say, I'm sorry for your loss, but I had to kind of like wait them out and find out which loss are they talking about? Because sometimes they would say like, oh, how's your brother doing? And I'm like, Oh, my brother passed away 15 years ago. And then a lot of people would say, I'm so sorry for your loss for your wife passing away. So sometimes it was really interesting that some people would bring up feelings and I would get emotional. And sometimes the way they said it, I just didn't feel like they were sincere. So I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really feel anything when they said something to me. So I just think that, you know, you have personal relationships with people. And I think over a 40 year period, I know a lot of my high school friends through Facebook. So I have an idea what's going on in their life. There are some people that if you spend time texting them, calling them throughout the years, even though you may not see them for 15, 20, 30, 40 years, but if you have some kind of connection that you've actually done something with them or talked to them, there was more feeling in regards to what they said to me. If
4: you had a couple or a man or a lady sitting here right now and they're angry with God because that loved one passed away, because to them this is just too soon. I wasn't ready for this. Why would God do this to me? You know, and so what would you say to them uh, right now? And they, you know, their relationship just kind of cease. You know, they don't want to talk about God. They don't want nobody to mention God because they're just upset with God. How would you deal with
0: that? What would you say to them? The first thing I would say is tell God that. Yell at him. Scream at him. Let them know how you feel. If you don't get those feelings out, then you're just going to start resenting God and you don't want to lose that relationship. Yeah. You know, one of the, we've, all, we've all experienced this. We, we're in church. We can feel the Holy Spirit. He's touching us and we can feel it. But if we get to a, a point in our life where we are rejecting him because of something that happened in our life and bad things are going to happen to us, that's, that's normal. That is part of life life is going to throw us curveballs, and every single time it happens it's okay to be mad at God he's a big God he can handle it and you need to tell him how you feel and lay into him that's what Job did and look Mm -hmm. what happened with Job and how did God respond to him Mm -hmm. a lot of times
3: we think that uh, question God or even get mad at God or, or be disappointed in God that he would be disappointed in us but he knows us exactly how we are he knows our feelings and he knows exactly what we are feeling so it's not necessarily that we're having to let it out, like Kevin said, for God's sake, because he knows already it actually is for our benefit to let it out, to let that grief out so we won't end up being bitter towards God. Just like Kevin said, ask. We want quick, easy answers to our questions. And a lot of times we ask questions without thinking that we already know the answer to our question. And we want a quick fix. But sometimes it doesn't come in a quick fix. Sometimes it's a process that we have to go through in order for this to work out itself in our mind, in our hearts. that we can understand And we have to trust God in all this process. And believe me, one day we'll say, ah, now I know why he did it this way. Now I understand how much he loves me and why he did what he did.
1: Wow. For you listening, we just appreciate you being with us here on The Preacher's Zone. I do want to remind you there is a part one to this short series on grief, and I want to be sure that you check out that episode too so you can hear what happened with all of us over this past summer.
2: So continuing on. I want to ask you, Kevin, sometimes people are hesitant because it's like I'm not sure what to do. So often they say, listen, if you need anything, you know I'm around. Give me a call. But I noticed that to me it seemed like part of your dealing with grief and me too was to get back in the saddle right away. I'm sure behind the scenes, maybe you were going to grief recovery, maybe crying in between. But I remember one night we were out playing pool. As soon as you got back in town, here you are at church and you're like giving the welcome church service. I thought his wife just passed away and he's
0: doing the welcome at church.
2: How dare somebody ask him to do that right away? What are you saying about that?
0: At my employment, you only get five days for grieving that's it. You get five days for bereavement and that's all. So I actually, when Denise passed away that week, that first week I had to teach my classes and it was not easy. It was very difficult. And I even told my students, I don't want to talk about it because I need to teach a class. And that's the only one they'll get through it. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, that came up. I remember talking to several people at church afterwards. It was like, I did the welcome by no idea what I said. I don't remember any of it. And and I remember at the part of the welcoming, I actually walked out in the middle of it. Because I forgot there was other things I had to do as part of the uh, welcome. I was definitely a little spacey that week. And it's taken me time to start getting back into the you know swing of things. And it's only been 46 days. And I can tell you that, yeah, when I t- some classes I have no problem at all teaching. And then some classes, things get brought up and it makes it a little bit harder on me. I have to kind of like, you know, reevaluate and pinch myself and say, okay, snap back into it. We got, we got work to do.
1: That brings up something interesting because what I'm hearing, Kevin, is that to help you overcome the pain, you put yourself in service. And when you're in service, I mean, the brain really, you can only think of one thing at a time. So if you're in service and you're helping someone, we don't have a chance to think about our troubles. It just seems very helpful to get into service, to kill emotional pain.
0: The show must go on. As the old saying goes, the show must go on. I remember when I was in middle school, one of our students passed away early on around, I think he was 18 or 19 years old. And his mother was very famous. And she was an actress. I think she's in her nineties now and she's still alive. And she played our dream of Jeannie. And I remember her saying that after her son died that I had to get back to work and start doing as many shows as possible because it would help me not think about my loss. And I think there's a little bit of truth to that. The more you're working, the easier it is for you to not think about it too much because if you dwell on it too much, like what Pastor King was saying earlier, then you might get angry at God and then you might might stop talking to Him. And you need to keep that conversation open with your Lord and you need to keep that conversation open so that way you don't lose track of your savior.
4: You have to live on. You you have to keep living. You know, yes, this life cease, but you still have life. And I think people expect for you to not do anything during their time. And you tell yourself, I have to, I have to live. I have to live. And then the person who is no longer here will want you to live, Right. Absolutely. To continue on. Yes. You know, and that is part of the the healing process is that you don't stop. You are still thinking about it, but at the same time you must survive.
0: Absolutely. And that was the first thing when my brother died, I noticed it was like, to me, the world stopped Mm -hmm. yet. The world was still going on. Mm -hmm. I remember when Denise died, it was like, you know, the world stopped again, but it was still going, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, the world had stopped, Mm -hmm. but the world was still moving on in front of me. That's a good way. And, you're right. That is a really bitter pill you have to swallow Yeah, because you know, the world is still moving forward. Even though you're dealing with this horrible loss that you're facing because that person is no longer in your life, regardless of who that person is, the world still marches on and history continues to march on.
1: Kevin, we're just very grateful that you're back with us. We look forward to producing some more shows before the end of the year. Of course, Christmas is on the horizon, And I'm sure all of you as pastors, you know, you're getting ready for that. Until next time, I want to thank you all for being a part of the Preacher Zone. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You.
0: Thank you. you.
1: Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Preacher Zone. I'm so glad you joined us. If you missed any of it, rewind it. Play it again. Have any questions, comments? Let us know at the Preacher Zone.